Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is good to see each and every one of you this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 23. As was mentioned, even in our prayer, we're continuing our study of Psalm 23 and uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. Amen? All right, a few of you, amen. All right, let's do this. Let's look, beginning in verse number one, we'll read the entire psalm, which will not take us long, but let's draw our attention to the word of God again this morning. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And then he concludes by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. We ought, to, we ought to say amen and amen to that. Isn't that good? What a great, great, precious uh, psalm and promise from God's word. And as you know, we've been working our way through this most well-known and most beloved psalm of all, Psalm 23. And if you're a believer, I pray that these messages, listen, this is week number four. We've got two more messages. Um, looking forward to next week uh, as we get into verse number five, and then we'll finish it up. But uh, if you're a believer, I pray that you've been encouraged, amen, by the incredible truths that we find in this psalm, uh, you know, that really point out not only the shepherd's deep love, but the shepherd's care for you and I, his sheep, those who are his born again and bought again sheep. And so I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. But if you're here and you've yet to surrender your life to the shepherd Jesus Christ, I pray that even as Travis prayed a few moments ago, that the word of God and the spirit of God will convince you of your need to do so. Listen, you don't want to be without the shepherd in 2023. I'm just telling you, you don't want to be without the shepherd in 2023 or any day for that matter through our first three messages we learned that the good shepherd the chief shepherd the great shepherd if you please he actually owns his sheep we've said that might rub our fur the wrong way but that's actually good news he owns us therefore the psalmist said i shall not want the lord is my shepherd i shall not want we also have looked at the fact that the shepherd leads us he leads his sheep. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that he leads us into, to, into rest. He leads us into refreshment. And he leads us into righteousness. And then last week, we looked at the fact that the shepherd restores our soul. Listen, and, and we talked about the reality that every one of us are prone to wander. Am I right? 
We're all prone to wander and leave the God we love. And yet Psalm 23 reminds us that the good shepherd, he restores our soul. We looked at the fact that he retrieves us when we wander. That's good news. Before Christ and even after Christ, he, he retrieves us, leaves the 99 and goes after the one. But we also talked about the fact that the good shepherd revives us, right? When we waver. And when we're weak, remember we had the illustration last week uh, of the cast sheep that is turned over and the cast sheep on its back has no ability to, to re-engage uh, re, uh, or to restore its own footing. But the shepherd has to come and to do that for his sheep. And so it's been a, in a blessing to me and I pray it's been a blessing to you. This morning, if you'll notice with me, verse number four directs our attention and I'm just going to be honest, it directs our attention to one of the most harshest realities of life. This is the verse that if we were picking out verses, a lot of people would, would say, you know what, I'm familiar with verse number four. Because we've heard before, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Most people say, you know what, I've heard that verse before. Even if they haven't heard the rest of Psalm 23, they've heard verse number 4, but it really draws our attention to one of the most harshest realities of life, and that's the fact that you and I, every one of us, will all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Unless the Lord returns, there's none of us, none of us who can, can avoid this. And, and the reality is it doesn't matter what we believe either. It doesn't matter whether we believe in the shepherd. It doesn't matter whether you reject the shepherd. It doesn't matter whether you're wandering from the shepherd or you need revival. The reality is that every one of us, unless the Lord returns, which, by the way, I wouldn't get so worked up about that. Like, man, I'm just going to be here when Jesus comes. You know, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We shouldn't be so excited about the idea that we're not going to experience this. Because the reality is we are all experiencing this a little each and every day. And so no matter what we believe, all paths, all paths lead to the valley of the shadow of death. There's no escaping this reality. But for the sheep who have been bought and born into the holy flock of God, our text gives us again yet another beautiful picture of the shepherd's constant care even during that time. And if you've been taking notes, and I've shared that the shepherd owns his sheep, he leads the sheep, he restores the sheep, here's your point, really your overarching point for today, and it's really super high. So uh, let me just say, the shepherd guards his sheep. He protects his sheep. He has, he has a keen ability to guard and to protect his sheep. And so in order to understand this a little bit better, I just want us to consider a few things from this one verse and here's what I want us to look at first. In the idea that the shepherd guards or that he protects us, I want us to consider the valley. You see, David talks about a valley here. Notice with me in verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. To be sure, death casts a long shadow, doesn't it? Art, we're praying for you and Janice and your family as this week you'll have the services for your dear father. Death cast a long shadow. There's no doubt, but we need to understand that in this text, David is not necessarily describing death itself, but merely its shadow. 
He's not talking about death. He's talking about what comes before death. Anybody there? He's talking about what leads up to death or the prospect of death. Oh, he's referring to the intimidating realization that we are going to all of us go through this shadow, if you please, and there's nothing that you and I can do to avoid the shadow. But we ought not to fear shadows, right? Many have the mindset that it's not death that scares them, but the potential process of dying. Pastor, I'm not scared. People say, I'm not scared of dying. I know, I, I, I'm not scared of that, but I'm, I, I'm a little fearful of the potential process, you know? I've said many times that I would be okay if the Lord just took me home in the midst of preaching a message. It might be a little unnerving for you. It would be all right with me. You guys would be like, what the heck just happened? Right? But don't, don't weep for me, Argentina, because as soon as he calls me home, that's where I'm going. But here's what I think. Sometimes we get, we get so worked up. We, we like... Am I going to have to go through a really difficult sickness? Am I going to have to go through this? Or am I going to have to face this? Or what's, what's it going to look like for me? The reality is it's different for each and every one of us. But when we as believers are convinced, when we're convinced that at the moment that we cease to exist here, that we begin into this wonderful, glorious experience the most glorious experience we have ever known, then we shouldn't be fearful of even that moment. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.8, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be what? Present with the Lord. Oh, guess what? I'm moving on. Soon and very soon, the reality is all of us will pass through this valley. The shadow of death. If you look at verse number four, the word valley actually comes from the Hebrew word that literally means a gorge. It means a gorge. That's what it's speaking of. But if you look beyond just the word valley, if you look at the phrase of the shadow of death, it actually is a combination of two Hebrew words that actually mean when you bring them together, the shade Watch this, the shade of death. Hence, the valley of death speaks of a valley of deep darkness. Anybody been going through a time of deep darkness? Anybody? Have, can you identify with that? Have you ever been through a valley that felt like a deep, dark valley? This is what David's talking about. When he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. See, he's in the present. Yea, though I... Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm in the midst of a valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to fear because I've got somebody who's with me in that valley. Oh, listen, who's with you in the valley? No doubt every one of us have experienced seasons of deep darkness in our lives. In fact, in Genesis 15, in verse number 12, the Bible tells us of a time when this happened to Abraham, saying it this way, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of a great darkness fell upon him. Man, there have been times in my life where I have felt like, Man, can I get a little bit of light? My health is falling apart. It was a year ago today 
that those guys who have a sick, twisted sense of humor, Greg Witt and Stacy and Shane, took me out to the tennis court to beat me up. I was thinking about it yesterday. Today marks one year ago that I tore that tendon in my right calf. But I got news for you. You can't keep me down, Greg Witt, Stacy Martin, Shane Lawson. You guys can't keep me down. You say, well, why don't you play tennis anymore? Because the church voted for me never to play tennis again. That's why. In fact, there was a couple of you. Oh, they're gone today on vacation. Uh, Bill and Giovanna decided to uh, kind of promote my next athletic adventure. They gave me a little box with two little paddles and plastic balls and said I ought to take a pickle, pickleball. I have yet to start playing pickleball. There are times when we go through deep darknesses in our life, health scares, financial scares, uh, family problems, in and out of season. And David says, yea, though we may walk through valleys of darkness, there's no need to fear. Oh, listen, in Abraham's case, it was John Wesley who said these words. He stated the darkness was designed, in Abraham's case, to strike an awe upon the spirit of Abraham and to possess him with a holy reverence. He continued by saying, holy fear, watch this, holy fear prepares the soul for holy joy. God humbles first. And then he lifts up. Now what the Bible says, humble yourself therefore. And then he shall lift you up. Oh listen, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Listen, we ought to take that truth in. We ought to hold on to the truth of verse number 4. And Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5 reminds us that Jesus, our shepherd, is, has said he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, you and I, even though we go through the valleys of darkness, we can be confident that the valley is nothing when it comes to our shepherd oh yes turn with me to exodus 20 just about back a few pages and and uh if you know exodus chapter 20 some of you've read that before look with me this is where god speaks and gives the ten commandments uh during this time and uh but I want you to draw your attention. So all the way through verse number 17, you see God giving the Ten Commandments, and then you get to verse number 18. Look with me in verse number 18, because I want you to notice what begins right here. And it says in verse number 18 that all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, see, they're seeing something with their eyes and, and, and they're, to be honest with you, they're terrified. Notice it says, and when they saw it, they removed. They removed and they stood afar off. Look at verse number 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak to us lest we die. And then Moses says to them in verse number 20, look, he says, fear not. For God is come to prove or to test you and that his fear or reverence may be before your faces that you sin not. And keep looking because in verse number 21, again, the Bible says that the people stood afar off. But notice, Moses, the Bible says, drew near unto the thick what? 
Say that word again. Where did Moses draw? Thank you, young man, young lady. Thank you. Moses drew to the thick darkness where, hold on a second. This might, this might catch you off guard a little bit. Where God was. You say, well, I don't understand that. Listen, you and I need to understand that God is as much in the darkness as he is in the light. You say, well, hold on, brother. You're going to have to show me some scripture to prove that. Well, I'm glad you asked me to show you some scripture. Because, see, the reality is all of us know that God dwells in the light. Amen? God dwells in the light. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 and verse number 15 and 16, the Bible states it this way, saying, Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 16, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting, amen and amen. Yes, God dwells in the light. In fact, in John chapter 1 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us that he is the true light. Jesus in John chapter 8 and verse number 12, he said he was the light of what? The world. And then if we look over in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible tells you and I that we are to walk in the light. As he is in the light. But the reality is he may be light and he may be in the light. But he's also in the darkness. You say I don't get it. I don't know where you're going with this. Well the scripture reveals that he's in the darkness. In fact in the Old Testament at the dedication of the temple by Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 12 records. Then spake Solomon the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick Darkness. Last week, you remember I said in Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 21 that God led the children of Israel during the day by a pillar of what? Pillar of what? Cloud. And by night, a pillar of fire. God's in the darkness as well as the light. There is no difference. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 10, the, the day that the temple was dedicated, the Bible says the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Oh, friends, God is with us in the darkness just as he is with us in the light. Turn with me to Psalm 139. I think it'll make sense when we get to Psalm 139. I'm just trying to point out the fact that as believers who are destined to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you may be there right now, and you're walking through a deep valley of darkness, you're saying, I don't get it. Sometimes I don't feel like I see God. I don't feel like I, I feel God. I'm not experiencing God right at this moment. But the reality is He is with us in the darkness just as He is with us in the light. He's the, let me put it this way. Maybe it'll make more sense. He's the God of the mountaintops. Didn't we just sing about this? And the God of the valleys. Look with me at Psalm 139. Let me flip over there with you. Psalm 139. And when you get there, I want you to notice with me. Look down to verse number 7 and what David asks here in verse number 7. He says these words. He says, Whither shall I go? Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Now think about it. David is not trying to get rid of 
He's not trying to rid himself of God's presence, right? He's, he's making a much bolder statement. Notice what he says. He says he, he's, he's revealing the wonder of God and the fact that there's nowhere that he can go that God isn't with him. Notice he says in verse number 7 again, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Continue reading in verse number 8. David says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. Listen. I got news for you. If you think you're going to heaven and God's not going to be there, the shepherd's not going to be there, you're sadly mistaken. That time is all about him, just as this time should be all about him. It's all about the great shepherd. Notice he says in verse 8, If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. But he continues on. If I make my bed in hell, that's the word sheol. It actually speaks of the world of the dead. He said, If I make my bed in the world of the dead, behold, thou art there. Verse 9, If I take up wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall uphold me. Listen, as sheep... There is nowhere in this world that you and I will be without the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will I not fear evil? Because the Lord, my shepherd, is with me. Well, when it's the seasons and I feel like I'm on the mountaintop, and in seasons when I feel like I'm in the valley, when, when, I'm, when, when, when light is shining all about, and even when I feel like darkness is caving in on me. Oh, there may be times when we struggle absolutely to feel God's presence, but when, faced, when facing the valleys of darkness, you and I can be sure that our Lord has faced and overcome these same things. In fact, in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46, while on the cross, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Listen, in this moment, you may wonder whether or not uh, the father had left his son in the darkest moment of life. You say, did the father leave his son while he was on the cross? Absolutely not. He didn't leave his son while he was on the cross. The father was actually there reconciling, watch this, he was actually there reconciling the world unto himself through his son. Oh, listen. Listen, it doesn't matter when you and I go through dark seasons or dark spells of life. We can be sure that the valley has and holds no fear for the sheep because we have a good shepherd who goes with us. And so with that being said, I want you to notice a couple of things about the shepherd. We've talked about the shepherd owning us and leading us and restoring us. But he goes on here. Look in verse number four. David says, I will fear no evil for thou, watch what he does, Thou art what? With me. In reality, our experience in the valley of the shadow of death depends on who's with us. You know, like uh, in the military, remember when we had infantry training and battle training and, and whatnot, there's a such thing called as a battle buddy. You want to be careful who your battle buddy is. You want to make sure that person's just as committed as you are. Or you're going to have trouble on the battlefield. It's good to know, as sheep, that we have the greatest battle buddy of all. He goes with us. I don't have to fear a thing. 
In fact, it's senseless to fear anything. Whether, whether I'm walking in seasons of prosperity or I'm walking in seasons where I'm struggling, this, that, or the other, the reality is our Lord is our greatest battle buddy. You remember from week one we said the quality of life enjoyed by any flock of sheep depends entirely on their shepherd. David was saying, I don't fear going through dark times. I don't fear going through dark seasons in life because the Lord who is my shepherd, that same Lord who, who leads me, the same Lord who restores me, is the same Lord who's going to guard me and protect me. Oh, listen, he's with me. The good news of the Lord being with us is that he's already been through that dark valley. He knows what the dark valley's all about. Jesus, our shepherd, literally humbled himself and became obedient to the Father in order to go through death's dark valley on our behalf. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, the Bible reveals this truth, saying, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Colossians 1.13 teaches us that he, speaking of Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Oh, we can be sure, because I'm sure we could be sure, biblically speaking, that the good shepherd knows and is well acquainted with going through the valleys of the shadow of death. You think about it, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, this is what he said. He said, Father, he said, Father, if thou be willing. See, he defers to the Father. He says, if thou be willing. He says, hey, in case you haven't noticed, Dad, I'm going through a valley. <laughs> he said, and if you be willing, right? Notice he says, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Listen, here's, here's something about valleys of shadow of death. It's all a part of God's plan, which means it's all a part of his will. And so we ought to have the same mindset that Jesus had. Not my will, but your will be done. Oh, listen, we can be sure, we can be confident because he has gone through the valley that we too can go through a valley. Listen, we think of death in typically two ways. We really do. Number one, the first death, we think about the soul of a person being separated from the body, right? But the second aspect of death is this judgment of God that will be poured out, right? The judgment of God that will be poured out on the last day. And the reality is Jesus experienced both at the same time. He experienced both. You think about it. He was nailed to the cross by wicked men. He watched. They watched him as life drained from his body. But while he is nailing on the cross, while they nailed him to the cross, and while life drained from his body, the reality is that God poured on him the full cup of his wrath. You say, why was God angry? He was angry at sin. And sin needs a savior, and so that's what God did. He poured his full cup of wrath on his son. Oh, listen, it's almost as if Jesus died a double death for you and I on that day. And in so doing, his death has forever changed. It's forever changed death for you and I. Listen, the moment I cease to exist here, I exist there. Can I don't, does, does that blow your circuit breaker like it blows my circuit breaker? To think that I, this, death is really nothing. It's the valley of the shadow of death that gets people distracted. You see, because the moment, I mean, I can't even clap that fast. The moment that I cease to breathe, the moment that I cease to exist here, of all things, 
All things will become new in a sense. I will be with my Savior forever, the great shepherd of my soul. Oh, listen, this is why the Apostle Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 15, 55, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, listen, Jesus, the good shepherd, because of him, we will never have to taste that second death. For me to live is Christ, as I said earlier, as Paul said, and to die is gain. Oh, listen, there's a valley that's spoken of in this verse, and there's a shepherd, but then I wrap up, and I want us to look at the sheep. Here's the thing. Death is still a dark valley, but because of Jesus, it's merely a shadow, and there's no need to fear shadows. Matthew Henry said it this way. Notice he said, it is death indeed that is before us, but it is but the shadow of death. There is no substantial evil in it. The shadow of a serpent will not sting, nor the shadow of a sword kill. Oh, there's, I, I read uh, Charles Spurgeon yesterday. He added another one to that statement. He talked about it's not a dog that'll bite. That probably scares me more than the others. I'm thankful. Guys, there's no debate. There's no debate. Death will separate us from our work. You know, there's a lot of us who serve our jobs and serve the almighty idea of work. But one day, death will separate us from our work. It will separate us from our loved ones here in this life, and it will separate our soul from our body. But as Romans chapter 8, we even read a little bit about that in, uh, in Sunday school. As Romans 8 declares, death will never separate us from the love of God. It will never separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the reality is the only, the only way that the only one who can ensure that outcome is the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the only one that can ensure that outcome. And so let's consider our role as the sheep. Look here at verse number 4. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Notice these, this phrase, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The word rod literally speaks of a stick or a club that a shepherd holds and carries to punish. He carries it to punish, to fight, to fend off anything that seeks to attack his sheep. Listen, you can be sure that no matter what seeks to attack you, you have a shepherd who will fend it off and will do the fighting for you. You know, a lot of times we get carried away thinking we got to fight our own fights. I don't need to fight my own fight. I've got a shepherd who does a good job of it just for me. We need to trust him more and ourselves less. But the second word I want you to notice there is the word staff. And it's a different word. It's a different word and it points to the shepherd's ability to support, to protect, to stay, and to snatch. Watch that. If need be, a lamb quickly when in danger. No matter how dark the valleys may be in our life, there's no need to fear because our shepherd, he goes with us through it all and his, and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Listen, with his rod, he fends things of danger off and with his staff, guess what? Sometimes he's got to get that staff out. God typically has a little crook to jerk me back from dangerous places. That's when he goes and he retrieves us when we wander. 
we have a propensity to wander into danger. Why is that so? Because shepherd aren't that, sheep are not that smart. We wander into dangerous territory. And the shepherd has to reach out sometimes and snatch us back and say, what are you doing? It's kind of like training a puppy. Sometimes I have to snatch Colonel back. I was thinking, what is it like? What's, a, what's an illustration that we could use from Scripture? What is it like, really, to pass through the valley of the shadow of death? I was trying to think of a, a passage. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to point to a few verses. And then I'll give you a quote. And then we'll close, Michaela. <laughs> I was thinking... That in Mark chapter 6, we're given a good illustration of what it feels like maybe to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. And here in Mark chapter 6, Jesus tells, let me flip over, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat. You may remember this. He tells his disciples to get into the boat in order to cross over to the sea of Beth, uh, cross over the sea to Bethsaida. He wants to get them over to the other side of the sea. And, and if you notice down, when we get down to verse number 48, I want you to notice a couple of things with me in this one verse. In verse number 48, the Bible says, He, speaking of Jesus, the good shepherd, saw them toiling in rowing. Now just stop for a second. You see anything that's important there? Notice it says, and he saw them toiling in rowing. There's never a time when our shepherd doesn't see us. He's watching. As we go through the valley of the shadow of death, I can assure you, just as he was here, he's able to see. He's omnipresent. He's able to see. He's everywhere all at the same time. That blows my mind. He can see you in your home and see me in my home at the same time. That's the God we serve. And so here we have in Mark chapter 6, it says, And he saw them while they're toiling in rowing. He's watching. Now watch what happens. For the wind was contrary unto them. He knows they're in a dark storm. He knows they're in the midst of tumultuous seas. And he sees them and he understands the wind. Guess what? The winds obey his voice. So guess who? allowed the winds to be contrary. Maybe he's doing something. Maybe he's trying to teach them a lesson. You ever been in a storm and wondered what in the heck is going on? The reality is this verse reminds me that even when I go through storms in my life that I don't have to worry because the shepherd is watching me. The shepherd is in charge of the storm. He knows when it gets too much for me. And just as he knew, knows how it's too much for me, he knew exactly what was too much for these men. Now notice it goes on. And about the fourth watch of the night, it doesn't say he immediately, as soon as he saw them toiling, it doesn't say immediately after he saw the wind was contrary. It says in the fourth watch of the night. You know what? It's almost as if he's sitting there and he says, well, let's just watch these old boys for a little while. Give me some popcorn. He's watching them. But in the fourth watch of the night... 
If you don't pick this up, you're going to miss it. He does the impossible. Because that's who he is. Watch. It says, And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking on the sea. And as soon as this takes place, look down at verse number 49. We'll not read it, but look at verse 49 because the disciples, as soon as they see this, they believe that it's some sort of spirit or some sort of ghost. And they begin to cry out. You know what I think sometimes? It's like when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes I think we're sitting there like the disciples in the boat. We're like, I'm so scared. I'm so fearful. I'm blah, 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 blah. And then look at verse number 50 because Jesus settles it all. And he says, be of good cheer. What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? I command the winds. I command the storms. I command everything that you're going through. I'm the one that told you to go across the sea. Did you not think that I knew there was a storm a-brewing? I'm in charge of the storms. But I'm also in charge of the calm. And you may feel like this morning, just like those disciples of old, you may feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, but Jesus is still saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. There's no reason to fear. Oh, listen, in the darkest of night, the disciples are straining to row against the wind, and here comes Jesus doing the impossible in order to comfort his disciples, i.e. his sheep. He will come and he will do what is necessary to comfort us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to read this. I saw this yesterday. It's not even in my notes, but I asked the guys if they would put this up. I was reading in Charles Spurgeon's notes on this text, and and he said it this way. He said, someone has said that when there's a shadow, there must be light somewhere. Just stop and think about that for a second. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now think about it. He says, when there's a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. The shepherd will not leave his sheep in the darkness because a shepherd goes every step of the way with his sheep. He not only owns us, in which David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he leads us. He makes us to lie down beside the green pastures, in the green pastures, beside the still waters, into refreshment. And he leads us into righteousness for his name's sake. We looked at that. He restores us when we wander, right? He goes and retrieves us and he revives us. But what a beautiful image that as you and I face the valley, the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, there's no need for us to fear because where there's a shadow, there's always a light. And that light is our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we 
love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that this word points us that even during difficult seasons and scenarios of our life that there's no need for us to fear the valley. There's no need for us to fear the shadow of death, what comes before. Because we know from your word, as it says to us, that you are with us and that you will comfort us, that your rod and your staff, you use your rod and your staff to fight for us, to fend off the enemy for us. You use your staff to, to draw us back when we uh, wander into danger. And so, Father, we thank you for the precious promises that we have in your word, God. I thank you for this truth. And God, I pray that we will all be mindful of this as we go off into uh, this world in which we live, as we exit this building today, as we go back into our, our workplaces tomorrow and the highways and hedges, and God, that you would just strengthen us in our mind to understand that there's no need to fear that we can have comfort and we can take courage knowing that you are with us every step of the way. Father, I pray that you would draw us unto yourself where we might be made more in the image of your dear son. God, I pray for the one who doesn't know Christ as their savior that your word and your spirit have convinced them of their need and that they would call out upon the name of the Lord right now for the forgiveness of sin, that they would enter into the greatest relationship of all, the relationship between the good, the great, the chief shepherd, and them as a sheep, as a bought and born again sheep in your flock. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us during this time of invitation as, as the music just begins to play. No one's singing. We're just, we're just listening to the music, God. I pray that you will work on hearts and lives. And God, that we'll use this time, a significant time where we might pray, that we might praise you, that we might bring our petitions before your throne of grace. We might find mercy and help in our time of need. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the songs that have been sung. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for... The fact that each and every person who's in this place and those who are online have made it a priority today to hear from you. God, I pray now that you'll draw our hearts close to thee during this time of invitation and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.